You're listening to the best of Morning Drive with Dietrich and White, an on-demand audio presentation of redpeachsports.com and ESPN977.com. Now here's today's show. Good morning, North Louisiana. What up? Good morning. How's it? <laughs> Man, you are itching to get into it. Let me at least say my name first before I give you a, the introduction that you rightfully deserve. My goodness, what is up with this guy over here? You built me up in a Twitter. I'm all fired up. Yeah. I'm ready. Uh, that voice right there would be uh, Washita head coach Tim Whitman. He is sitting in with us this morning. He's always hitting us up, always saying he wants to be on the show. Well, guess what? We get two hours of him, so I hope he is prepared uh, for the next two hours on the morning drive. How you doing, Coach? Good morning. I'm ready to go. I'm fired up. Been fired up all night, you know, looking for, for some, some good action. I'm thinking about two hours. I know of that softball. mic is ugly, but you got to talk a little I'm, closer. I'm to two it. hours there of softball, but I think we're going to cover some other things while we're here. Yes, we are. How's your summer going, bud? Going pretty good. Uh, a lot going on, uh, boy. You got a, a huge, huge week, uh, and it starts today, of course, with this uh, on the show. But uh, man, you got a lot of things going on for it being uh, June, correct? Yeah, we usually uh, this time of year is sort of off time, but today we're recognized by the school board. Uh, softball team is at twelve o'clock, and then. We actually have our, our softball banquet tonight, which is mm. normally done in May, but just with all the logistics and everything going on, it's going to be held tonight. Hey, I haven't looked. Uh, this Max Preps. Are you guys the national champs? You know, the last time I looked, we were. Uh, but there's still some Texas teams that, that just finished playing, so okay. I have not looked in the last week. But uh, the last time we left, the, the computer ranking we had as, as number one. Obviously, Tim Whitman of the state champion, Washita. Lady Lions, and, of course, they're now contending for a national title. And also, of course, on your plate this week, uh, pretty cool, your daughter competing for Miss Louisiana. Yes, uh, I'm, I'm pretty fired up about that. Uh, even though it's going to be three nights of, of uh, going to the, the pageant stuff, it is a, a pretty good situation uh, to look at. She's Miss Spirit of the Washita, and yeah. she'll be competing Miss Louisiana. She, uh, they checked in yesterday. They're all there at ULM. And so uh, she's fired up, and I'm excited for her. Three nights of it. Three nights. You got the preliminaries on Friday, uh, Thursday and Friday, and then Saturday is the finals. Even actually for the for the girls, uh, the ladies Wednesday they do interviews, so they're actually doing four days at it. Uh, maybe later in the week we should just have you on handicapping how it's going so far. Now, now that might get you in a little bit of trouble, but that's what I like to do. Yeah, I have keep to you on uh, your keep toes. her sequestered so she doesn't hear me if I if I, I give a bad report. Uh, you like her chances? Uh, yeah, she she's uh, young. This is her first time in oh. Miss Louisiana. She's done Miss Teen. And this is her first time in Miss Louisiana, but uh, she's excited. She does a good job on the interview. She's way smarter than her daddy, so uh, yeah. she does that, and way prettier than her daddy. So all those combinations, she she's going to do a, a good job, and I'm excited. You for knew her. you had a beautiful daughter, but I bet you never envisioned that her competing in Miss Louisiana, though. No, and if I did, I would have probably uh, took out loans earlier uh, <laughs> in, in the in the in the history. <laughs> Plenty to discuss over the next two hours. Obviously, we want you to join the conversation on the Stuart Shelby. Text slash hotline. That is the Stuart Shelby Goosehead Insurance Hotline. That number is 888-993-7762. Go to StuartShelby.com for a free quote. Plenty going on. This was an eventful weekend. What captured most of your attention this weekend, Coach Whitman? You know, uh, I watched a little bit of the College World Series yes. starting there a little bit. And I, I'm uh, – of course, I'm a softball guy, so it's hard to watch me a full baseball game. But yeah. uh, I, I, the the excitement, some of the stuff around it, like Mississippi State uh, 
a, a, a guy that got his uh, father tickets, and yeah. boy, he's been a whirlwind. He's gotten everything paid for, and he sort of become a, a Twitter phenomenon or whatever. But uh, that's been pretty exciting just to watch those kind of stories un- unveil. Yeah, College World Series. In case you missed it, a thrilling win for uh, Mississippi State, one to nothing over Washington. Uh, North Carolina takes care of uh, Oregon State. Who saw that coming? Of course, against their stud pitcher. That was uh, eight to six, I believe. In yesterday's games, uh, Arkansas. How about the Razorbacks? They take care of Texas, eleven to five. They score eight runs in the sixth inning. Key point in this ball game, of course, uh, the rain delay. I think it lasted over two hours. But Arkansas with a big win over the Horns. Uh, former old uh, OCS star Ryan Reynolds playing for the Longhorns. He went one for two in that ball game with one RBI. Texas Tech. Also a victory. Oh, they also pick up a victory of the College World Series. They uh, knock off Florida. Oh, Gators. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Singer. They're a very good pitcher for the Gators. Uh, he had a rough outing. Outing. He gives up uh, five runs in uh, six innings of work. So a couple surprises there, especially considering the Red Raiders do that to the Florida Ace. Then of course uh, Oregon State. They were going after what their fiftieth win on the year. They can't get it done. And Mississippi State. That had to be the most dramatic and the most exciting game of the four. Yeah, you know, you get the big run scores, and then you get these little one nothing games. That park's huge. You're yeah. surprised all the numbers that have been put up, you know, in terms of runs being scored. A uh, couple different highlights and things that stood out from those four games, but in case you missed it, there was an Arkansas fan yesterday that during the rain delay thought he would jump over the fence and, of course, uh, have some fun and get some exposure. Well, he got nailed by the security guards. Pretty good stuff. Probably his last game to watch for the for the week. Hope he didn't buy uh, yes. tickets. So the College World Series does continue. We got a number of games, uh, two games tonight. We'll break those down for you later in the show. One of them, of course, being Mississippi State back in action. World Cup. Are you all in, Coach Whitman? Uh, I've got to say, I've probably not seen uh, one bit of soccer. I've Ooh. heard a few highlights of it, and uh, but uh, just not my uh, cup of tea necessarily. Uh, even though Mexico did have that big win last night, but. Uh, I'm just, uh, I've never been a, 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 and I'm going to bring on a a friend of mine later on, and I watch a little bit of them, but I just hadn't seen the soccer uh, games just yet. I almost feel like it's necessary. I'm going to make more of an effort. And I I made that comment. I said, okay, I'm going to be all in with the World Cup. And quite frankly, I didn't watch much of it over the weekend. It is sort of, all talk. It is considered pool play, you know. So right now, it's not the chance, it's not not bracket play yet. So uh, they're just doing pool play. So that's that's my excuse right now for not watching. Uh, There were a couple of uh, storylines, probably the biggest. And as you mentioned, uh, Mexico taking care of Germany. One to nil actually created a little bit of an earthquake, they said, in Mexico with the fans celebrating. Those fans, you got to give them credit. They are probably the most uh, rabid fans in, in any sport of uh, you know, when you were watching, at least the, in terms of the, the cheering and the crowd and the excitement and everything else during their games. So, Germany, uh, they're not exactly handling this well. They have called off all media activities on Monday following their loss, and now they're basically being uh, sequestered as they prepare for their next match. That's well, not right. That, you coaches just hiding and players hiding after a tough loss. Yeah, yeah. That, that's tough. You know, what was the, the year or so that uh, one team lost and coaches got killed or something yeah, in some of those? Yeah. I mean, that, it, this is – take it a little serious. Yeah, they – they uh, take it way overboard. I don't think I've ever taken this, even though I take softball pretty serious. I'm not sure I take it that serious. Uh, that is your World Cup update. Of course, we'll have a guest join us later in the show to break it down a little bit more. U.S. Open, of course, concluded yesterday. 
Uh, didn't have the drama at the end that I was hoping for, but it was uh, certainly impressive what Brooks Kepka did as he wins back-to-back U.S. Open championships. Uh, that is the first time someone's done that since Curtis Strange back in 1989. I know you're not a huge golf guru, but uh, did that catch your attention at all, Coach? Wood? Here's what is amazing: he's won three majors total, yeah. or three of uh, uh, events, not majors, yeah. and two of them are U.S. Open. Somebody's talking about today about how he may be in the Hall of Fame just because of those two majors, but to win them back to back, and that be only two of his major win- or, or his wins on the tour mm-hmm. is amazing in itself. Uh, Kepka was uh, sensational down the stretch on uh, number 16, a great approach shot. And, of course, uh, Dustin Johnson, who most thought would either run away with this thing or would certainly have a shot. Down the stretch, he faltered a bit, gave plenty of uh, room for Kepka, of course, to go on with the victory. A lot of talk now about Kepka, and you mentioned the, the two uh, majors that he has, the back-to-back U.S. Open championships. You look at this kid, uh, just a tremendous athlete growing up, uh, actually was a pitcher in college, and, and he talked about when he was growing up and how he kind of got involved with golf, and everybody said, well, golf's not a real sport. He's in the process of changing where golfers are starting to be looked at as athletes. You know, when you went used to go to golf uh, events, and I have been a little bit ar- around golf, li- small guys, they, you know, had big forearms, but they were smaller guys. And but big these, guts. Yeah, yeah, and big <laughs> guts, you know, and, and now these guys are, are, are great athletes, can play at all levels, and have played a lot of different sports. You see the big, taller kids and, and their leverage, you know. It's just amazing at how um, how much this game has changed and the power game, and, and he's just one of them. In fact, he came from nowhere. I, I didn't know his name until, mm-hmm. you know, basically uh, this second one, really. Uh, I had no problem with Brooks Kepka and how he handled the situation at the end. The only thing I did find a little amusing, uh, his girlfriend comes running up to him, and uh, she's Miss Georgia, gets a nice peck on the lips, and then he kind of uh, – put her off to the side. I don't know if you saw Brooks as he was walking into the clubhouse, and she was trying to keep pace with him. It didn't go over well. I'm not sure uh, he's uh, exactly uh, the fan of hers today uh, <laughs> off the camera, but she definitely wanted to be on the camera in, yes. in, the, in the moment. 888-993-7762. Other headlines from this weekend. Here probably in the next segment you'll hear from uh, Ed Orgeron and Skip Holtz. Pretty cool camp taking place over at Louisiana Tech yesterday. Estimated somewhere between 350 and 400 recruits were on campus. I think there was uh, well over 10 colleges there to check out some prospects all in one spot. Uh, a joint effort, of course, with the Louisiana Tech leading the charge, but LSU and Ed Orgeron also making a trip up here to uh, check out some recruits. You'll hear from both of them coming up later in the show. Houston Astros update because we are your headquarters for the Houston Astros, and boy, have we picked a team this year. Uh, they take care of business yesterday, 7-4 to four over Kansas City. They have now won 11 straight. Best record in the league? Uh, I think they're right there. Uh, the road trip that they just concluded, they went 10-0, and 0, and they outscored their opponents, I believe, during that uh, 10-0 streak by a score, uh, overall score of 74-35. to 35. The Astros are on fire. Wow. 888-993-7762. It's all part of the starting lineup. Brought to you by Louisiana Penguin. The starting lineup. Are you crying? The starting lineup. Are you crying? Starting lineup. Are you crying? <laughs> the starting lineup. There's no crying. Let's get to the starting lineup. 
We were hoping to have uh, Roy Lang join us from the U.S. Open, but something came up at, at the last minute, so he will not be able to join us. We'll try to catch up with him later in the week. Pretty cool storyline with the Shreveport Times uh, writer, though. He got an opportunity this past weekend to caddy Phil for uh, Philip Barberet. Uh, did not make it to the weekend, but now Roy's going to stay on his bag as they head to an event in Rhode Island. So uh, you talk about double dipping. You know, I got two jobs, but Roy's two jobs are a little bit more attractive than mine at this point. Yes, uh, a little bit more entertaining and definitely, uh, especially this week at the, at the U.S. Open. Uh, Phil Mickelson, and we failed to mention this in the headlines, and of course this was a lot of the buzz over the weekend. Of course on number 13 on Saturday, he goes ahead and pulls a putt-putt move or something that we would do out at Chenault on the weekend. His ball's moving, and he races down and, of course, hits it before it stops. Golfers are a little upset across the country. Man, they have been outraged, and basically, you know, he followed the rule. I mean, he took the rule, he took the two penalty, but they wanted him, you know, uh, kicked out or whatever. And because uh, out there are little etiquette rules they have. But, hey, he fought, you know, he, he said, or his excuse was, he no, thought he, it through and thought he was going to roll off, yeah. so he thought he could save a stroke or two, so he was wanting to take the two-stroke penalty. I thought he should have just owned it. So, yeah. you know, had a brain fart. You know. yeah, just got mad at the whole thing, got yeah. put it there, and I missed it. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was something else, though, to see one of the world's greatest players try to pull off that maneuver. And then, speaking of that, his wife came to his defense. She, she came, in, you know, and she was telling him, you know, different things that he, he wanted her to, to uh, withdraw himself or whatever, yeah. but. It's definitely caused a storm in the golf world. Uh, that is something I would expect the Tomcat Tommy Tharp to try to pull off in a grudge match against me, but not certainly Phil Mickelson at the U.S. Open. Coming up at 745, we're going to have a little roundtable discussion with two state championship coaches, of course, Tim Whitman over here and Paul Guerrero. We're going to talk a little bit about travel ball, summer ball, also the state of coaching today's athletes, a number of things. We look forward to catching up with Neville head baseball coach, Paul Guerrero at 7.45. Of course, we mentioned uh, the World Cup is underway. Washita's head softball, uh, head uh, softball, head soccer coach Nick Artigue will join us at 8.15. And we always love visiting with Nick White. He will join us around 8.30 or so. You've coached a number of things in your career. Soccer was not one of them? No, soccer has never been one of them. They say it's basketball on the grass. Uh, I just think they need to change a few rules, and, and I've talked to Nick about this. I can even ask him on there if we need to about changing some rules so we can get more scoring involved. Oh, so you got to have scoring to get, to get yeah, you Yeah, in. just running around. i got to have some goals. i got to have three or four goals a, a half. But you don't, you don't mind a, a 10-7 uh, football game? No, but uh, there, you know, there's little chances to score. I, I'm worried about soccer not having chances to score. There's not many shots on goal. Maybe more shots on goal. Hmm. We're off and running on the morning drive. You can hit us up on Sports Talk 97.7 and 888-993-7762. We're back after this on the morning drive. Welcome back to the show. Hit us up at 888-993-7762. Got a number of uh, texts already. Trent says, this has been the most exciting World Cup of our lifetime so far. Very, very good games for first-round shockers. Uh, Russell, of course, being uh, the huge Arkansas fan that he is, says, how about them hogs? Hashtag Omaha Hogs, WPS. Sarge says, uh, tell Tim a Colfax alum says hello. Colfax, back in the day. Grant Parrish. Grant Parrish. Representing. Yes, sir. 
All right, uh, before we get to a number of other things, i got to pick your brain, uh, Tim. This has been an exciting summer for you guys. Of course, uh, Washita winning another state championship in softball, and the honors continue to come your guys' way. How about the uh, recognition that one of your star players received this past week? Yeah, Abby Allen um, got Miss Louisiana softball. Uh, this one kid in the whole state that gets uh, the, the award. They pick it from all classes. Um, very deserving, but it, it also is surprising with all the great athletes in Louisiana. And, and, and only all a sophomore, teams. too. Correct. All are sophomore. And so, you know, I tell the kids all the time, when you win a state championship, that's, that's a team award. But the individual awards come after that. Be a team player first. And, and she is definitely a team player, has worked to – to achieve what she has. She was the MVP of 5A, but then she became Miss Louisiana. My first in my career uh, to have. Mm. Uh, I've won a lot of state championships and, and been around this game a long time, and this is the first um, player that I've ever had that was Miss Louisiana um, softball. So it was uh, a, a pretty neat thing for uh, for me just to experience uh, and then, then to see her face and, and the excitement this week. And the fact that, uh, of course, it doesn't happen that often in, in North Louisiana. I mean, there hasn't been. Yeah. I, I can't recall the last time it happened. I think they, in the article they talked about uh, the Bowen kid that was at Sterlington uh, many years back before I got here in the area uh, had won it uh, one year, I think, when they won the state championship there. Uh, it, that was uh, the last time, but it's mostly been a South Louisiana uh, thing. Mm-hmm. And so uh, just sort of excited to bring it up here uh, to the north. Uh, what will that mean for, of course, uh, the rec- not only the recognition that she gets and another two years uh, remain? I know she's a, an early commit to South Alabama, but do you think this will spice up the recruiting process for her? Uh, maybe a little. Uh, she's uh, had some talks with some other teams and some uh, uh, other Division ones, but she's pretty committed. She's And, and the Division one softball coaches are pretty good at – if they're committed to somebody, they don't they don't really come in and talk to them like some of those football football really? fights. It yeah, they will. Yeah, I'll get a call every once in a while, and I'll say, hey, I got this kid that's you know sophomore that's uh, coach. He's committed. I'm not. We're not going to talk to her, and it's not a signed deal. But they're pretty. Uh, football, so are you, you know, saying what softball coaches are more ethical than football coaches well, in the college level? I didn't level? Want to exactly uh, say that necessarily, <laughs> but uh, they definitely treat recruiting in a, more, a little bit more ethical way than uh, the the football does. Yeah. Wow. Uh, and then, of course, for two years remaining, I know that that'll be the foundation built around here for the next couple of years pretty good. Yeah, you know, just a matter of, uh, you know, that, that's the one thing that she'll tell you, and, and, and I've said in all the articles, uh, she was blessed to have a great uh, group around her. There's some kids in that lineup that could, could very, very well be Miss Louisiana softball around her, and, and she was protected. People had to pitch to her because of kids like Jordan Manning and, and Madeline Fletcher behind her, and then where she had RBI opportunities. Her sister, Alyssa Allen, who was a senior this year, and Talia Randall were uh, two phenomenal kids in front that, that got on base pretty regular, you know, almost at a, five, uh, a 500 clip. And, and so she was able to drive in a lot of runs because of that. So uh, she's been blessed with the kids around her and, and, and will be a, a good group coming back. But we'll definitely have to protect her in some ways because everybody – that we don't see on a regular basis, we'll know who Abby Allen is. Coach uh, Whitman, we talk about uh, football coaches all the time, and uh, we're like, oh, wow, they're looking at this kid. He's an eighth, ninth grader, tenth grader, and, of course, there's offers. It happens occasionally. You'll hear about the eighth grader and ninth grader. College coaches getting on athletes really early. Are we talking ninth grade, eighth graders? Yeah, seventh and eighth graders. Now, softball just made a, a change this summer. They cannot speak to a kid, uh, a student athlete now, until the – uh, junior year, so oh. the start of their junior year, which is a change. But up to that time, they were offering seventh and eighth graders. Um, Abby Allen, for example, was offered as an eighth grader at South Alabama and offered by Mississippi State at the same time. 
but they just changed it where they cannot have any contact with those kids until September 1 of their junior year. So that changes the scheme of things. They can still go to their camps. They can still be looked at, but they cannot have a conversation with them on campus even. It used to be where you could, if you were on campus, you could have a conversation, and that's what happened. They would get them on campus. They would offer them. You know, they would ha- do everything there. Now they can't even have a conversation. So that will change softball's dynamics a little bit, and we're still shaking it out and how it will work. But uh, definitely um, some of these kids that were committed, now there will be a big gap between the young kids now being committed, which is a good thing. All right. Be- no being a former college coach, uh, I mean, literally, at seventh or eighth grade, how do you know whether or not they've reached their – I mean, they may have maxed out by then. That's the other thing. It was a disservice for the kids because some of these big division ones were offering ten kids – we're only going to take eight, and there was two kids there. We're going to get left out there at the end, or we're going to be offered a little less money than they really thought they were going to be, so they were going to back out. But at the end, it was too late. Some of the the the, the second level division ones were already signed and sealed, and so it was a disservice for the kids. But you can't, uh, you know, you, you you try to project. Oh, they're a great hitter. They're a big kid. They're six foot tall. Uh, Wickersham kid from Mount Carmel signed with uh, committed to LSU as an eighth grader. She's going to sign with them. She's going to be a good player. I'm not sure she's a, as dominant as they thought she would be when uh, they signed, they committed to her as eighth grader. So it is definitely impossible, I think, to commit them as seventh, eighth grader. So probably these division ones are happy that this is changing for their sake to be able to evaluate better. better. Uh, Abby Allen, of course, the big news, Miss Louisiana, and also you had another former player that uh, has found a new home after going the Juco routes and now lands at Northwestern State. Nikki Skirlong, my shortstop from a year ago, who's probably one of the best defensive uh, exciting kids I've ever uh, been around in terms of making plays and big league arm and everything. She was at the, um, the junior college, was the Mississippi Junior College Player of the Year this year in Mississippi. She uh, just signed with Northwestern, and uh, great great fit for her. Uh, she's a country girl, you know, and Northwestern's got that sort of rural little area they can, you know, you, you, you see there. And so she'll be a great fit for them. I'm excited for her, and it'll be close to her family where they can go see it because she's a real close family. We're going to get into it uh, with uh, Paul Guerrero coming up at 745 in our roundtable discussion about, of course, uh, kids nowadays and summer ball and travel ball. But in terms of softball in this state, Coach Whitman, uh, the popularity of it, strong right now? Yes, it is. Uh, you know, there's Travel ball used to be um, a few teams. Now there's travel ball. I call local travel ball and I call, you know, um, nationwide travel ball. But there are teams everywhere. There's a lot of kids playing it. And uh, I think that's because of maybe the ESPN, you know, all the coverage that they're giving to us, you know, and, and uh, it's, it's been an exciting game. Plus, in, uh, you know, our, our guest from Neville may, may disagree with me, it's a little bit more exciting game to watch. Yeah, baseball gets a little bit long sometimes, and mm-hmm. so uh, I think the, the popularity in that regard is, is, is making it more exciting for the girls. It's quite frankly, you know, an hour and a half, hour and 45 minutes. Yeah, good game. You know, two hours is tops, you know, even with TV timeouts and all the stuff they're doing now with the interviews. It's still about a two-hour game. We look, of course, and, and you being from the, the college game and then, of course, now making a huge name for yourself in the high school ranks. The difference between coaching in college and high school athletes? Uh, I think just the um, the college kids, you know, all want it. They, all, they came for a reason. They, they came for that scholarship, and they – they uh, they they have ownership in the in, in wanting to be better. High school kids, you get a mix. You get the top end kids that really like it, are really firing up. They'll they'll work twenty four seven on it. Some kids in the middle, they like it and they'll work pretty good. Then there's some of the kids that want to be on the team. Mm-hmm. They want to play, but they don't probably want to put in the work. And you understand that. And so uh, you have to take that mix a little bit and, and work it out. But college level, most of them are at that high end level because of 
the fact that they have they have they've always done it and that's why they're there and so that's probably the little difference but other than that I've coached in the same you know uh we try to run a just like practice like I did in college and uh the uh, intensity and everything else is the same skill wise maybe a little bit stronger in college level at certain things you, they're doing but uh we try to get them to that point even in high school level so uh but I think just the the degree of of um uh, want to is maybe the the biggest thing on your level on the course in 5a you don't have to do it as much as others but the thing i find fascinating about high school softball is the strategy and of course you're going to have a player or two that sometimes you have to hide whether it's in the field or at the plate and i always love seeing how coaches try to make that happen yeah you know they, they got the little dp flex through they call it and they so you can actually have 10 players playing you know in in nine nine spots so you have to be creative with that and move it around. And, and some of the small schools do. Uh, uh, my father-in-law, Trey, there at Oak Grove, won a state championship there. And, you know, and, and the small schools generally don't have nine just great players. And they have to find that kid that can really fill a role and, and do the things for them. Uh, when I went up to Oak Grove, Donna, them as one of our teams of the week, I, I mentioned that to, to Trey. I said, what, is, is Tim dodging you on the diamond? Can we not have a little grudge game or some kind of side wager with Oak Grove? And uh, Washita, I mean, we're talking about two state championship squads from this year. We used to play each other. When we first started at uh, Washita, we played each other a few years. In fact, the 2014 year when we both won it uh, there, we played each other. And, uh, you know, the classification 1A and 5A is, you know, a little different sometimes in terms of the things. But uh, but they've got a good team. I, I You know, I'd be, you know, definitely be a nervous wreck going into that game. So what's the deal? You, you both win state championships on the same year. Is this just kind of what fourteen, and then this past year? Yeah, he he can't. Uh, he won't let me have my limelight. You know, I I, I keep telling him. I, you know, I want my state championship. I want my limelight. I want to be the guy. And he and he wins it. You know, and does it. I, we play on the same fields too uh, this year. And he he played right before me. And it was probably one of the greatest things. Got a little teary eyed walking out as he walked off the field, man. Because um, I do this for a living. I coach and I teach and I'm I'm in the school system. Um, Trey does a, a job as a CCP. He works as a, his full-time job, runs a trucking company there um, in Oak Grove, and and then does this on the side just to help. and And for him to uh, to put the work in that he does extra for this was was uh, exciting for me to watch and and to see uh, them win a state championship. So did he look over at you and say, "All right, I, I have mine. Now you got to try to follow that act." Yeah, he did. He said, "Okay, it's your turn." Yeah, uh -huh. uh, and smiled. And 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 we'd both talked about the fact that in fourteen we had both won it. So he said, "Hey, we I won it here. It's 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 your turn." So uh, he he definitely was rooting for us, but we did have to send him off. Um, my wife Ashley, um, there sitting there watching in, in Oak Grove last year in fourteen. They they had, we they had some we had some rough spots and they left and we we ended up winning pretty easy there against Denver Springs in fourteen. Well, this year they stayed a little extra because boy LHSA was bad about running them off the field, so they were taking pictures and all that kind of stuff. And uh, we were down seven nothing in the third inning there, and he was still there. She had to go over there to him and say, "Okay, it's time for y'all to leave, yeah. so we can go." And so uh, he he had to leave the ballpark. Yeah, yeah that, that, one thing and LHSA they do a magnificent job with the state championship games and activities, but. They almost they get in such a hurry, and you know they want the next games to take place right afterwards. But 
it's like, okay, hurry up, get celebrate. You got about 45 seconds to celebrate. Uh, we're going to take some pictures. Then you need to leave, and you need to leave immediately. It always rubs me the wrong way. Well, this year we were a little disappointed that we had the last game. We were really almost the last game in the park, yeah. and they would not even let our fans on the field to yeah. take pictures with the girls. Uh, and then you get you're, you're sort of confined to that little soft, you know, little quarters between the, the bleachers. Uh, uh, my fans were disappointed. I was disappointed. We we missed out on maybe some great photos yeah. that I saw in fourteen that we had that we didn't get this year. That that I you know I thought that and the consider you the last game too. Right. It's not like there's somebody coming in yeah. after you. We're not throwing anything on the field. They're just taking pictures, and I, I thought that was something that ne- definitely need to be addressed maybe later on. God forbid, please do not pour any water or Gatorade on those fields. <laughs> no, we, we're threatened with that, so that's not a problem. But you know, I think we ought to be able to take a picture. All right, we continue to pick the brain of uh, Washita head coach Tim Whitman. You can weigh in if you got a comment or a question. 888-993-7762. He's also a huge Dallas Cowboys fan. We'll get into some NFL news and notes, plus college football coming up after the break. Welcome back to the Morning Drive on Sports Talk 97.7. Aaron here hanging out with uh, Tim Whitman, Washington's head coach. Uh, update on Jake Martin, of course, is a precious little baby, uh, Emerson. Continue to run some tests. Uh, they're hopeful maybe sometime later this week they will be heading home, so Obviously, once again, your thoughts and prayers. Keep them out there for uh, Jake and, of course, uh, his family. Well, I know that's a tough time away from home and, yeah. and, and from there. But uh, prayers for her out, and hopefully she'll be back and, and healthy and ready to go. Yeah, uh, Jake says he's just basically walking around like a zombie at this point. No way we're, to get any sleep. We're going on, uh, what, uh, I think three weeks. Yeah. So good luck to uh, Jake. And, of course, uh, keep praying for Emerson to get well and, of course, get healthy. And, of course, uh, for Jake and his wife to be able to bring her home very, very soon. Uh, a couple of college football and NFL news and notes from this past weekend. It happened on Friday. If you didn't hear, uh, Broderick Fobbs out at Grambling gets a contract extension, runs through uh, 2022, basically comes to about $198,000 a year. Well deserved. Yes, and we talk about Broderick Fobbs and what he has done with that program on and off the field. Just a tremendous job because that place uh, and what they were when he took over, what, where that program was at that point, how quickly he's been able to turn it around, uh, especially, of course, with the, the academics and then, you know, just some of the facilities and how he's been able to bring the entire Grambling family back together. Because I'm safe to say some of it was splintered at, at a couple of years ago. Yes, and the and the the, uh, the probation, different things they were on, mm-hmm. stuff going in. It just uh, a, a remarkable job to to do it as quickly as he did. Uh, of course, uh, Ed Orgeron was at Louisiana Tech yesterday. We're having some issues with that audio. We'll work on getting that for you tomorrow. The biggest thing with Louisiana Tech and LSU and a number of other schools, including uh, Northwestern State, all coming together, an opportunity and a cool thing for uh, recruits and prospects to to be at one stadium and, of course, to have that number of coaches and eyeballs checking you out. And I think they had close to 350, 400 athletes on hand to be able to run through some drills in front of those coaches. LSU's changed their tune a little bit. When they first, when Ozron first took over, it was he was not going to connect with any of these state schools and any of their camps. And now he's doing it with everybody, and that's a good thing to see for the for the students and for the athletes up here, especially in this area, and even any in Tulane, everywhere else he's gone. I think it all comes to you know you go back to the Michigans of the, of the world that we're trying to get in. And, of course, uh, make inroads into Louisiana and into the south. And I think Orgeron figured out best way to keep him out. We make some friends inside this state. And and he understands. I mean, there's a pecking order. 
and he feels like he'll get the best in the state. And then after that, of course, uh, the others will get their opportunity to pick up some of the leftovers. And there's probably plenty of conversation there of we'll come to yours to make sure nobody else comes to yours yeah. and, you know, that thing. And so, yeah, like I say, he's, he's going he's gonna to beat Tech out for, for a recruit, so he's not worried about that on a, on a, on a head-to-head show. So uh, it's probably good to, to be in this North Louisiana. He's lost some big recruits lately yeah. out of state. So maybe he's getting in this area a little bit more. And from the young kids all the way up, he, he, uh, he builds that, that, that relationship back. He was uh, wanted to point out, though, in the area code 318, I mean, his, probably his three best players, when you look at Richard Lawrence, Greedy Williams, and, of course, Devin White, they all come from yeah. North Louisiana. Everybody talks about how he lost those kids, but he also got some some real good ones in those three, and, and they've been very vital and will and will be this year in terms of of what they're going to uh, produce for LSU in the in the, in the football. Uh, this also took place uh, late last week. In case you missed it, uh, Les Miles took a subtle shot at Ed Orgeron. He was a guest on a, a sports talk show in uh, Houston. You may remember Ed Orgeron. When he brings in Steve Ensminger as his offensive coordinator and then following the spring game, the big word that kept coming out from Coach O was, I ask fans to be patient. So now Miles appearing on this show, and he was asked, of course, about projections that have the Tigers just winning seven games or six and a half next year. Miles' response was, well, here's the truth. They have some really good players, some offense and defensive linemen, some linebackers that can flat-out run hit, and their secondary took a hit to graduation, but there are some really good players there. Obviously, I'm reading this better than Les Miles actually said. Miles goes on to say, the guys that I know that were recruited by the staff before the staff recruited some really good players. Watch that middle linebacker play. Watch those defensive linemen play. There was some real recruiting that was done. So, Coach, we'll get into the second part of this. But basically, that's just slapping his staff on the back and saying, hey, he inherited some really, really good players. You know, and, and that's sort of not been Miles. He's always took the high road in most things he's done. It was a little bit uh, – I, I was surprised at some of the things. And then the other part he said, too, later on, we talk about – I was is. a little surprised to be able to do it. I don't know if somebody's rubbed him the wrong way over there right. or what, but uh, it was a little surprising. So, Ed Orgeron asked fans to be a little patient with this team this year. And then Miles goes back and says, I guess what I'm saying is – that I've never accepted the feeling of, hey, you need to be patient. When you say that, you need to have patience. Aren't you really just saying your team that you're not good enough? Because I want you to know something. I never took the field with the Tigers where I didn't think I would absolutely was going to kick some tail and that we were the best team, period. I don't give a blank. Can, can you hear him saying that? Uh, you know, that, that's classic Miles in his conversation, but – uh, you know, I don't know that I, when I heard it the first time. I said, you know, knowing Miles, it doesn't. You know, he's not usually one that, that gets on somebody else like yeah. that or, or at the Tigers. I don't know if he was just talking about pride in his in his program, or if he was trying to get on Orgeron, or or even meaning to. But uh, sometimes you never know what angle Miles is coming from when he when he speaks. But it definitely was a a little bit of a slap in the face to to the program. Uh, this Josh Ennis guy that he went on the show with, he's the idiot from uh, Houston, of course, during the Super Bowl, got into that shotty match with another guy. But anyway, Miles gave him gold here. He went on to say, it took me a time in the week to get myself into position where I was like, hey, yeah, okay, we got it. We got the plan. The plan's here. We're ready to play. That took some time, but I never asked for give me a break here. Listen, the Tigers are good. The Tigers got good players. The Tigers can play defense. And then he concluded with this gem. Certain people need to have a safety net. 
If you need a safety net, you need not coach the Tigers. The Tigers are the safety net. They are the winniest, toughest, most committed group of men I've ever been around. Is he trying to get the AD job? You know, <laughs> is he getting some of those alumni fired up that are mad at those around? He's, I think he's after the AD job. That's pretty good, Miles. He's been very subtle a lot in the past yeah. year, a little quiet there living in Baton Rouge. He was almost like past presidents, don't say anything about the former president. Or, yeah. or you know, but yeah. man, I was yeah. He fired off, from, especially being local like that. I yeah. I was uh, I was shocked. Like I said, I, I I didn't know the angle he was coming at, but he definitely got on him. And I'm always fascinated by that dynamic. Him still living in Baton Rouge and what that must be like. And I'm sure there's a number of fans still down there that to love him. And you know, when he's out and about, I'm sure. And they're slapping him on the back, and I'm sure a lot of people make comments. Hey, how about O? He probably has his, his favorite two or three restaurants that they all love yeah. him at. He probably attends on a regular yeah. basis, gets, still gets his free food in the back. And Well, he can afford it because uh, <laughs> uh, he's unemployed, but he's still collecting $133,000 a month I from his buyout in LSU. And I th- heard his house was up for sale in Baton Rouge, yeah. but uh, I know he still is living in Baton Rouge, or, or at least part-time. And you get that kind of money, you probably got a few houses in a few different places. Uh, so there you go. Uh, Les Miles taking a few shots at Ed Orgeron. He doesn't want LSU to be patient this year. Uh, how about the news also now? Tom Brady in the past just says that he plans to play till he's about 45 he turns 41 in August. Over the weekend, in an interview, Tom Brady says, the end is closer than sight in sight than it has been in years past. Is this another one of those power plays with him and Belichick? Man, I, that has been a dynamic that, I, that I'm actually excited about watching a little bit and seeing if it's just a, played up by the media. And it will just, you know, usually the Patriots, they don't put up with that. And, and uh, when it gets season time, that, that, they use that to focus, you know, on the season. And I think it still will be the same thing. But, there is a, definitely a power play this year that I have not seen between those two, and we'll see how that shakes out in terms of their team chemistry. We'll get into this with uh, Nick White coming up at 830, also another diehard Cowboys fan. Whitman over here loves his guys with the star on their helmets. When did you become a fan? Man, I, I back when I was as young as I can remember, my dad was a Pittsburgh Steelers fan. I don't know why. He, he enjoyed the Saints, but he was a Steelers fan. I guess they're, they're, they're big fan there during that time. And so I don't know if it's just to mean him sort of – duking it out in the living room you know with a cowboy stiller kind of combinations how i became a cowboy fan but man i had dallas cowboy bicycles and bath robes and everything <laughs> as a kid so uh so you were bucking the authority that's what it was i guess so i, that mean, was I a way I for guess, you to protest I I against pops i guess pops fighting or whatever now we are baseball we we're both dodger fans and so we're both dodger fans but for some reason he was a stiller fan i became a cowboy fan and and uh, it was uh, a fun time but i've always been a cowboy fan i get grief of it up here of course my my wife's family, big Saints fans, and most people in Louisiana are. But, in fact, this weekend, uh, this last week in Shreveport, we had the, um, the coaches' convention in Shreveport. Yeah. And, man, somebody drove by with a big uh, motorhome decked out cowboy, big star on the side. I was like, man, I took a picture of it. I said, that's, that's my dream <laughs> motorhome right there is the cowboy motorhome. All-time uh, favorite Cowboys player? Uh, probably still Roger Stallback. You know, he uh, still was, uh, you know, class act, great, great, uh, great player going way back. Probably the, the early on or later on, Emmett Smith, you know, in terms mm-hmm. of how he took it up with class and was, he was a great player. But those two probably stand out in my mind as being the two. Now, I do have an Ed Tall Jones jersey signed. Um, we, when I was at Louisiana College AD, we brought him into a golf tournament. We had a fundraiser there at Squire Creek. 
and he was one of the guys we called in, so I got a signed jersey. So now he may have to be, you know, up there now that I've got his jersey sitting there. I recently saw an NFL Films little documentary on Roger Staubach, and it looked like he could still chunk it around a little bit. He was a big man, and he's a strong man. He's no yeah. country guy, and, and uh, yeah, he definitely looks like he he's uh, still in pretty good shape, even at his age. Hmm. Good stuff. Uh, more with the Cowboys with uh, Tim Whitman coming up later in the show. Up next, we're going to have a little roundtable with two championship coaches, Paul Guerrero from Neville and, of course, Washita's Tim Whitman. We'll talk about travel ball, summer ball, and also coaching athlete, athletes now compared in the past. That's coming up after the break. Think about this morning gig, Whitman. Man, it's a little early. You know, I, I, I'm in a, my summer mode, so, I'm, you know, I have to break out the flip. Uh, you're always telling me you're out there doing some kind of clinic or something at this early. Uh, you know, not every day. Huh. Not every day. So you're saying you lie to the media occasionally? Uh, well, every once in a while. Uh, yeah. Uh, Got to keep them on their toes. A guy that is always honest with the media, that being Paul Guerrero from Neville, he joins us on the Stuart Shelby Goosehead Insurance Hotline. Coach, how you doing this morning, bud? Good. How y'all doing? Good. Appreciate you coming on. Got a number of things that we want to discuss. It's not often I have uh, two championship coaches on at the same time. But first, let's start with the, the College World Series. And I, I know you're all in. What have you? What'd you think of the games from over the weekend? Well, I think two of the games, I was, I was really surprised. The Oregon State, you know, I did, didn't, yeah. didn't uh, think that they would get beat uh, by North Carolina. But it kind of goes to show you the game of, of baseball's Never can predict, and then Florida getting beat. Those two games are are pretty pretty big. Mississippi State, they got a good bracket ahead of them for sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you look at those, those two upsets, I mean, you could have made the argument, of course, those are two of the premier pitchers in this tournament, basically, in the country with, uh, of course, uh, Oregon State and then Singer from Florida with those guys losing in the opening rounds. I, I do. I think it. Uh, that's something I was looking at Texas, man. They, they got a bad – bad uh, draw today or uh, tomorrow rather playing playing Florida they're going they're going to get some more pitching but you know North Carolina with uh, they had their their best guy back and had to pull him in the first inning and still went on to win i thought that was real big for them uh, have you ever been had an opportunity to go to omaha paul I did in uh, 2014 we took we took a team up there and played in the tournament and uh, we watched championship series and it was when mississippi state last time mississippi state was there in omaha and it's unbelievable it uh it's definitely something that i would i would say anybody that likes baseball or softball put it on your bucket list and i've heard the same thing about oklahoma city i don't know if coach whitman's ever been to that one but yeah it is coach what about the new park uh i hear all kinds of sometimes you hear rumblings about the it's too big it's uh, you know it's uh you know it doesn't allow the the home run ball or, or balls that are hit real good. Well, you have what's the feeling on it in terms of how it's situated, how big it is, all those kind of things. It, it's a big part, you know. And it's funny the when we were there, the the year that we were there is when you know, Mississippi State had big old West Ray, and uh, they played UCLA in the championship game. And Mississippi, Mississippi State had these guys that were big long ball. And I don't know if y'all remember, there was like one or two home runs hit in the entire College World Series that year yeah. before they changed the baseball. And uh, since they changed the baseball, of course, home runs have increased. But I still think it's, it's probably a little bit too big. And you, you can kind of tell that just just the difference in the regionals and super regionals. And then when they go to the College World Series, you always hear the guys talking about that home runs and stuff will come depending on what the weather is. You know, that like they I heard one of them say that 
temperature is supposed to go down, so they think there may be a few more home runs hit uh, in the next couple rounds of the College World Series. Today at 1 o'clock on ESPN, you got Oregon State versus Washington. Obviously, that is an elimination game. And then tonight, Mississippi State slugging it out with North Carolina. A Mississippi State-Washington game was a sensational on Saturday, of course, of Mississippi State in front of a packed house winning one to nothing. There is a, a major local connection with Mississippi State. And, of course, a kid you're very familiar with, Cole Marsh, on that staff. How cool is it to see one of your guys getting an opportunity to go to Omaha, Coach? Oh, it's it's uh, it's very cool, and I, I've kind of been talking to him along the way. Kind of started back uh, at the when they went to the SEC tournament, just you know, telling him to be ready, you know, because when you get in the postseason, that's when guys that probably haven't pitched in a while will uh, have to step up and, and pitch. But uh, man, I, every time you see any anything good happen, that's probably been the thing I've been most proud of. Is he, he's out there, first one, uh, you know, congratulating him, being a great teammate, and and, uh, you know, playing his part. But uh, it, it's neat to see him. And for him to get that the first year that uh, he's at Mississippi State, is, it's a big experience for him. Yeah, and then, of course, the the story with Cole and what took place, what, uh, four years ago. I'm sure it feels like it was just yesterday for you. Kind of remind the, the listeners out there what took place on the practice field, the football practice field for Cole March and how scary of an incident that was. It was uh, it, it, yeah, it it does seem like it was yesterday, but we were in a special teams drill. Everybody kind of split up in different drills, and and he collapsed and ended up having a heart attack on the field. We had to get the AED out there, and uh, Coach Gregory and and me and a few other coaches were all uh, we're all trying to get him get him uh, stabilized, and and Coach Gregory was giving him CPR. Coach Herndon and a few other coaches, but. Uh, yeah, he he was he was in bad shape, and and him rebounding from that. Of course, he's got a, a, a defibrillator implanted now and hadn't had any problems with it. But he uh, and the thing is, what's odd about his career and his journey is that that that, that kind of uh, affected him a little bit because the summer before that, you know, he was he was eighty eight, eighty nine. You know, was uh, a guy that that you would expect would be a huge pickup for any college. Well, he never really got that back until after his till his first year of college and uh, that was something that you know he struggled with a little bit his uh, senior year he wanted to get his velocity back up and wasn't a whole lot of schools really jumping on him because of that but uh, it's funny because uh, when he was a, his senior year the senior summer when Canizero was at LSU and I called Canizero and talked to him I said he's pitching here in this Atlanta tournament Canizero goes and sees him and Canizero says you know, coach. Hey, I'm I'm glad to see him pitch, and uh, coach, he just he just can't pitch in the SEC. And then less than a year later, Canizero signs him at Mississippi State. And uh, I told Gold to make sure to remind him about that. Yes. But uh... and so many times, and he's a great success story. He he went the JUCO route, and he really literally just blew up there. And then the SEC school started calling once again. Oh yeah, there's a the, all the schools that he wanted to call him before they they started calling after his first year and that, and JUCO is something I really think a lot of kids miss out on. There's a bad stigma towards junior college, but uh, I mean if you look at it like why would you not want to go somewhere, play for two years, and then get a chance to go to the school that you really thought that you wanted to go to? 
and uh, I think that the reason I think Louisiana kids miss out on it or have that that stigma is because we don't have many junior colleges. I mean, I'd love to I'd love to get junior college baseball and softball started right here at Louisiana Delta. I think it'd be huge for the the sports, and I think it increased their enrollment too. But uh, I agree I, I with you, Coach. I I think you're 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 right on with that. My kid just signed with Northwestern, but there is that stigma that going to a junior college is is a bad situation and uh but 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 in baseball it seems like there's a little bit more of that than uh than even softball but but how do you uh how do you touch base with a kid how do you how do you tell them hey this is the best route to go or how do you talk to their families because sometimes that's the that's the biggest issue is, is talking to their families about that yeah i think that that's one of the things and I, we've even had some that said you know look you know we, we're he's you know he's got a, a 26 on his ACT. You know they don't they don't want to go to a junior college because the academics they think they'll take an academic hit. Uh, you really have to kind of sell them on the fact of uh, of the fact that they're going to go to a junior college and kind of get their prerequisite courses and so forth, and and that they'll be able to get the degree that they want to. But like for for us, you know, in, in tops, you know, if they go to a junior college out of state, they're going to lose that tops and. A lot of times that's something that some of these the, the families are counting on. But I think the stories of people like Cole Marsh that go to a junior college or that there was – didn't one of y'all's girls just sign somewhere out of a junior college? Yeah, North, uh, Northwestern Nikki Skirlong went there for Skirlong, a year. Yeah. And she was And she was qualified. It was not any situation there. She was qualified and, and could have yep. went in Northwestern. So it worked out great for her because – she her problem was sort of not in her his same situation that, that Cole was in, but she was injured, and so she didn't get seen her sophomore and junior year as as good as she probably could have from some of the Division ones, and so, and now recruiting wise, that's another thing I want to ask you about is recruiting wise and, and how early they start, but, um, you know, yeah, she was able to do it because of that junior college, so it is definitely I think a, a route for some kids that they that that's a good route. Yeah, and I think you brought up a good point that, and I think this is the reason that I think there's such a stigma with uh, with junior colleges because of the, uh, you know, the TV show coming on. I think football mm. and the fact that most junior college football guys are non-qualifiers mm. and they have to go to junior college, I think that a lot of, uh, a lot of people think that, that they don't want to be classified as, as that type of player. But in baseball, I think it's a completely different story. Mm. And, uh, you know, I can't write – drawing a blank on the name the last chance you you know they see that all over the tv and they think you know uh you know those guys didn't have their grades and they don't want to be considered that type person that didn't get their business taken care of but uh but it, it you know I, I wish that it would increase i wish we'd get some more here in louisiana we have too many four-year universities in louisiana and not enough junior colleges Two championship coaches join us, Paul Guerrero and, of course, uh, Tim Whitman, one from Neville, one from Washita. wanted to open up th- this discussion. We talked about Cole Marsh, and, of course, uh, he played two sports, football and baseball. And I know both of you encourage multi-sport athletes. But with Cole, I mean, it, it kind of led to a, probably a little bit slower development for him, Coach. So are you a little torn in terms of kids specializing compared to going multi-sport? Coach Whitman, you gonna take that first, or you want me to? Yeah, yeah I'll take it. Uh, you know, I think that uh, the uh, I, I have no problem with them playing other sports, especially in softball. You know, they're gonna. Some, a lot of my kids are gonna go to the next level and play softball. But 
you know, after college, there's nothing else. There's not the pro leagues like the, yeah. like, you know, like the uh, baseball kids have and maybe, you know, getting to that point where that's going to be a big money thing. So when you look back to your high school career, you want to have fun. Now, I do have issues sometimes if other sports are not as disciplined as my sport and, and they come to me not disciplined. That's, that's been the issue in the past. Now at, at Washtenaw, for example, great. We have a lot of kids that play soccer. Coach Jones does a great job with soccer program. I've got probably, probably six or seven kids this year going to play soccer, and, and it's and he has great discipline, and, and that's the key is 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 they they have that same discipline when they come to you. They're not used to getting away with things that they wouldn't get away with. And Coach Jones uh, does a great job and, and has come on and, and done a great job with his program. And so, I'm okay with that. Is that kind of stuff? I don't I don't buy into the other side of it either that says specialization hurts kids. I think you take care of them and do what you're supposed to do. If they want to specialize, then that's that you know that's what they want to do. Uh, it is harder to get stronger. They have to be dedicated to be specialized or to not be specialized to play multiple sports. But it can be done, and I want them to enjoy their career if they're focused in doing what they're supposed to be doing. Paul? Yeah, there, there's a lot of uh, a lot of that. I totally agree with you. That the my only issue would be the 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 fact that they're coming from a, a sport that that didn't have any discipline. But I think, you know, in our situation, you take football, for example. You know, nowadays there's a lot of, of college baseball guys that the first question they ask is, do they play football? Do they play high school football? And, uh, you know, the fact that uh, it, it's like uh, I heard, a, heard a, great, a great comment. I can't remember which coach made it was, you know, in football, the sport of football, the fact that, that – you play only ten games, and that you have to you have to go through the drudgery and the discipline of practice, you know, four or five days a week, and play that game. Base there's a lot of college baseball coaches that want them to be able to to go through that. And uh, like I've had one tell me before, he says, you know, I want to know a kid that's been in Louisiana under the Friday night lights and been able to handle that type pressure. Said so that, that kind of kid can play for me, and and. I think that's – I was a head football coach for 10 years, so I know that uh, that's something that's that's big for kids. It, it can help them develop. And I think just like just like you said, Coach Whitman, the, there are some kids that, that maybe aren't football guys, and, and we got to be able to take care of those kids. And we have some of those here too. And we have some that come from soccer that are, that are soccer baseball guys. And uh, I think – what it comes down to is this, and I'll tell you, when my, when my son played, he just graduated last year, and I talked to him about it before he, uh, before he really started playing varsity football. He was playing football and practicing until 5, 5.30, and then he would be over here to hit for probably 30 minutes a day every day after football practice to try to get, to get himself prepared. And I think it's up to the kids more Thanks for listening to the best of the morning drive with Dietrich and White. To listen live every day, tune in at ESPN977.com or subscribe in iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you find podcasts.